sit down, take a chew and chew my money till we get it. Till we get it. Paul Wall in the coolest foot was ain't talking. Money speak, all that bullshit keep it. Run the side. Run the side. I'm showing Aaron's face museum. This is Logan. Hey, Logan. This is Satchel. Who? I was just transferred over to you. Okay. Yes. Yeah, I was. Uh, I was thinking about. I got. I got a. I got a pair of twins, two sixteen-year-olds, and I uh, wanted to take them by a museum sometime this week. We're homeschooling them. We'd like to do a field trip. And I was curious uh, if you guys have uh, more of a flat Earth agenda or more of the round Earth agenda. Yeah, so um, primarily from from an interpretation standpoint, um, there's not that too much describes um, either perspective. I mean, um, I'm assuming since it's probably taken from the basis of, of the, as you say, the round earth agenda, but it doesn't really specifically um, state anything of whether the earth is flat or round um i mean there we, we do talk about i mean mainly as you can tell we're a space museum so we primarily talk about uh, the apollo 11 mission going to the moon um, and that's so taught as fact that, that people went to the moon yeah yeah um. so that's that's our perspective i mean that's what um especially since uh we talk about um you know, Neil Armstrong and his missions of Gemini 8 and Apollo 11. We have the uh, Gemini 8 capsule and some other things related to its first space mission, uh, which was just only in, in Earth orbit. Yeah, well, that is a monument to lies. But my question is, uh, do you have any proof that the Earth is round that isn't from NASA? Uh, that isn't from NASA? Mm -hmm. No, no. I mean, that's... Um, exactly. That's... Uh, Primarily our source. Um, I'm I'm not here to uh, debate uh, flat Earth versus uh, the round Earth theory. No, me neither. It's um, not a like debate. Like you said, they are they are here. They are theories, and they are here for um, debate. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I'm here um, saying uh, what what uh, our theories are. And if you if you have a uh, contrarian opinion i mean that's fine i'm we're not here to convince anyone uh of of any theories well logan i challenge you to a debate and you know what if we don't agree we can shake hands and leave as friends but if we do agree then i want to bring my kids by your museum and teach them a little bit about space yeah fantastic yeah um what um is is there a specific time or anything i mean let me uh, I work two jobs, so I, I typically work Sunday through Friday. So Saturdays uh, in the morning time is the best. I'm a Sabbatarian, so I spend the whole of Saturday doing nothing. And I'll, I'll call tomorrow around the same time and, uh, you know, have a respectful, gentlemanly conduct of the wits. Hi, welcome to the line, Austin. My name is Alice. How can I assist you? Hey, Alice. How's your day going? Good, how are you? How uh, can I you? I can't complain. Uh, how, roughly how big are the bathtubs y'all got, got out there? We don't have any rooms with a bathtub. But you have rooms with showers in them? Yes. They have, showers, have showers, drainage? <laughs> yes. Okay, well I'm going to come by and process my deer. I'm going to get the uh, room for three or four nights. Um, and... 
process a deer. Do you guys have a mini fridge I could put my deer into? No, we have a mini fridge. It's quite small. I don't think you'll fit hmm. more hmm. than a few cans. That's not a problem. If I'll get three or four of those in a room, I can uh, process my deer, get them butchered, uh, line them up in those fridges, and have my customers come by to buy the meat. Yeah, I don't think that would work out. No, it's fine. I'm actually a butcher. I'm completely licensed to do this. My, my shop's just shut down for now. Yeah, it's completely licensed, completely above table. I'll come in there, I'll process the deer, I'll chop them up, and then I'll have uh, my customers just come up to the room and buy their deer meat. Sounds like a good plan. Is there anything else I can assist you? Um, no, that should be it. I'm going to make a reservation here online, and uh, I guess I'll be there either tomorrow night or the night after. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. Have a great day. You too. Hey, is this Ed? This is Ed, how's it going, man? Good, good, how you doing? I'm well, I'm a little frustrated. <laughs> Trying to get my shit to work. Now, could you hear me at all before? No, I couldn't. Yeah. I did stay I on the line for a long time if you were talking, though. I thought maybe it was like a, like a transfer tone or something. Nah, nah. It's just, uh, you know... The usual fucking with me. <laughs> anyway, then what's your name again? I don't even know what your name is. My name's JT. JT? Yeah, JT Kelly. I'm a comedian out in Austin, Texas. Gotcha, JT Kelly. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for taking this call. I appreciate that. Taking some time out of your day. That's no, my pleasure. It's my pleasure. Absolutely. I'm a fan. I started listening to your show very beginning of quarantine. And okay, okay. I was just blown away. I was like the perfect time to kind of melt my brain, right? Yeah. How long have you been doing that for? I started doing a radio show in 2013 on a little station called uh, Revolution Radio. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because I, I was taking a look at just, you know, Googling you around, and you've mentioned it on your show before about the book you wrote on PI, and you got some, you got some TV credits and stuff, and you're always in these... Just just the most interesting cases, it seems, you get involved in. Is that why you went into kind of the entertainment side? Is because you had this just fucking vault of fascinating shit to talk about? Yeah, you know what? They're, they're not all interesting, you know? But, uh, yeah, I, I have gotten involved in a lot of interesting stuff. And that, that is what I did. Um, I had just come out of, I guess it was Tiger Woods or Charlie Sheen, one, one of those. And um, I was being interviewed all the time. And I says, boy, this is so easy. <laughs> you know, I said, uh, this, this is great. I just make jokes and I, I talk off the top of my head. So I wrote the book and I said, let me go promote the book. And then I, I said, well, you know, and then I because you used to listen to that station, Revolution Radio, freedomclips.com. And I, I used to be on uh, round tables over there. And then I filled in a couple of times and I said, you know what, okay, let me ask them for, for a show. So they gave me a little slot, 11 a.m. on Thursdays. And my first show was on the West Memphis 3. And back then, no one was talking about, you know, that subject was dead in the water. Nobody was talking about that anymore. Is the West Memphis and Three the killing, uh, like, like, kind of satanic or something? But is that part of the right. satanic panic? Am I remembering that right? It, uh, I, I don't know. I guess it was, wasn't around the same time. It was these three men uh, who were involved in a, a cult and Crowley and all kinds of witchcraft and Satanism and stuff. 
and they killed these three little boys. And um, then uh, they, HBO did a documentary with that. It was like more like a reality TV show. Uh, but HBO did this TV show about them, trying to like uh, stir up questioning their guilt. And it inspired this group called uh, the West Memphis Three.org. Free the, free the West Memphis Three OS, okay? And uh, so I, I, I thought they were innocent, you know, and I contacted them. This is way back when all this was going on. I was involved with Art Bell, the, the radio host, in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. I was uh, helping him out with some stuff. And uh, so I contacted the West Memphis Three.org. And I says, hey, you know, I'm friends with Art Bell. I can get you on the show. And as I started talking with these people behind the scenes, I just saw that their motives weren't correct and, uh, and that they knew that these guys were guilty. So that's when it, what turned me around originally. But I've just done so many shows about it since then. We've uncovered so much stuff, a lot of it exclusive stuff. And you have that all available through a paywall on your website, right, where you can access all the files actually, and investigations you've done? No, the, the majority of the stuff is free. It's out there on Spreaker and Apple Plays. It's not that much on Apple Plays. They just came on board uh, about a couple years ago. Uh, but Spreaker.com has um, most of the content. Uh, some of it's been removed. Wow, you're giving that removed. out for free. Yeah, no, most of the stuff is free. Yeah, all oh, right. stuff is free. Yeah, and then the paywall, uh, now I'm on Patreon. We put everything on Patreon. Uh, all the usual stuff you can get on there without the commercials. We edit the commercials out. And I put up about eight hours of exclusive content on there each month. All right, a lot of places to find your stuff. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, I'm busy. <laughs> Very busy. So when you went in learning about the West Memphis Three, you thought innocent, and then you got involved and you thought guilty? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And now I'm convinced. Uh, there's no doubt in my mind. And there's no doubt in my mind, too, that it was motivated by it. This was an occult sacrifice. Uh, there's no doubt in my mind. Really? That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you said you had just gotten off when you when you decided to do the book and do the touring. You just got off working with Tiger Woods, working for Tiger Woods and Charlie Sheen. Well, what happened was with Tiger Woods, if you remember, the whole thing was about um, text messages uh, between the first woman, who I think was Jocelyn James. I think all the, all the names <laughs> blurred together. Uh, but what happened was this: Tiger Woods was having all these affairs. And uh, when uh, the big payoff came for that girl, uh, Rachel Yucatel, uh through Gloria Allred, uh, there was an agent involved named Gina Rodriguez, who was this fascinating woman who gets involved in a lot of these high-profile scandals. And she became the manager to all the Tiger Woods mistresses. Uh, and w- there were so many women coming forward that she needed someone to vet out who was a real mistress and who wasn't a mistress. And that job fell to me. <laughs> that is quite <laughs> a task. I know, yeah. So they were sending me a bunch of cell phones, and I had to go through the cell phones, cell phone forensics, and find out if there was any evidence of them having contact with Tiger Woods. And that's how we settled on 15. You know, they called it the 15 hole. (laughs) 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 And that's how we settled on 15. We ended there. Oh, wow. How many women did you have to check? How many women came forward? It was dozens. It was dozens. Even, it had to be like 40 or 50 before it got whittled down to me, you know, because uh, most of them you can just have a conversation with them and see the way. I, I got to admit, one slipped by me. One got by me. We found out later on she was a fake. But, really? Uh, how'd, she, how'd, how'd she fool you? Well, because they had faked the, uh, the text messages. Uh, but she also took down, uh, she took Bubba the Love Sponge for like a half million dollars uh, trying to sell some kind of sex tape to him. Wow, she's, so she's a careerist. She knows what she's doing. That's a professional right there. 
None of them were. No, all of them knew what they were doing. Yeah, uh, there's definitely no babes in the woods. And I, I, you know what? I can't say that. A couple of these girls were nice girls, but other people I know uh, from Vegas knew them uh, in their personal life and, and were nice, nice women. Man, I would love to be in that industry. You know, sleep with someone famous and and pay the rest of my life for it. I don't know how you slip into that looking like me, but I'll find a way. It's incredible. <laughs> there you go, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, you don't have to be the one doing the sleeping. You know, you can just broker the deals. Are you talking about middlemen between rich men and the women they sleep with? Yeah, for instance, uh, I was talking about Gina Rodriguez. She was also the woman who was behind the, uh, the Stormy Daniels deal. I don't really know the Stormy Daniels deal. I'm not like a smart, kind of educated guy about new stuff. You know what I mean? Well, you must recall that uh, during the, uh, the campaign that um, President Trump there uh, was accused of sleeping with a porn star. Yeah, and I thought and she sued him and got and won money. Is that what happened? Well, what happened was there was a negotiation uh, with uh, Gina and Keith Davidson, who's my sponsor, my show, he's my client. And uh, they negotiated with Michael Cohen, and they got $130,000 out of uh, uh, Mr. Trump. Uh, and then Stormy Daniels thought, well, we can make more money on this. Let's go back into the well and try and get more money. And Keith did right. This is all in a, in a great book called The Fixers. Oh, yeah. Find. I haven't read that, but I've I've heard it referenced a lot of times on a lot of other shows I listen to. Oh yeah, great stuff, man! I know everybody in there. Okay, I know everybody in the book. You know everybody great. in the Fixers. Yes, <laughs> those are all my people. Yeah. Wow, that's a pretty cool print. I had the, I had the two authors on my show too. I had them on the show. Oh. Uh, yeah. At the same time or two different episodes? No, I had them both on at the same time. Which I don't. I don't, I'd rather have people on one at a time. I don't. I don't know about you, but. I find the crosstalk uh, distracting. Yeah. Either no one wants to take a turn or everyone's trying to take a turn. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you got to juggle it all. So Stormy Daniels went back to try to get more money. Yeah, that's when they hired Michael Avenatti. Mm-hmm. And in that book, it's this funny story about how um, uh, Gina is in her house and her ex-boyfriend's there sitting on the couch. And Avenatti comes over there, and, and he talks them into reopening the litigation, uh, which blew up in his face. You know, he wanted to be in prison, hopefully, and uh, um, blew up in Stormy's face. She lost and had to pay back $300,000. And then Avenatti, uh, she wrote a book, and then Avenatti stole the money from that. How did he steal the money from the book? Somehow he was telling her, oh, yeah, we're waiting for the next payment. We're waiting for the next payment. He already got the next payment and never paid it. Wow. The guy was involved in a lot of shady stuff before he went to prison. Uh, shady bankruptcy, shady uh, uh, partnership deals, uh, domestic violence stuff, you know. Wow, so Stormy, she really got outplayed there. Yeah, and Keith told him too, man. He says, hey, listen, we can't go back, and, and all they have to do is super malpractice, and the whole thing will blow up on our faces. He says, I'm not getting involved in this, but they went and found this shady guy, Avenatti, to, to move the ball there. Wow, yeah, I got to read the fixers. I got to get, I got to get my head around that. I feel like there's, you could, you could pretty much pick any, any event in the world, and there's just a whole little dark story behind it, filled with fascinating characters. So I don't know if there's enough time in the world for me to get them all down, but that one seems worth it, right? Yeah, that's what, I, that's what I've discovered. <laughs> and a lot of times it's the same people over and over too. You know, uh, it's a small world. You know. 
Yeah, yeah. You feel like, I mean, especially in like the, the political scene, it's all these same kind of people popping up. Like, the reason I, I listened to you first and I got into you is I was trying to get more information on Sarah Palin's husband. Okay. And there was just this thing where I was like, I feel like he got caught up with prostitutes or something like that. And I was talking to my chick about it and she didn't believe me. So I was like Googling it. And that's how your name came up the first time. And then uh, then I just started seeing your name pop up in every little every little thing I saw. I'm like, oh, there's Ed Opperman. He is investigating everyone. Everyone's on this guy's radar. That's so true. Yeah, the Sarah Palin uh, case was fascinating. Um, but again, that's a Gina Rodriguez. That's a Gina Rodriguez case. She brought uh, to me Shay Tripp, Shelly Tripp, uh, the young woman who was a massage therapist over in Alaska. And she contacted me. And says, Ed, we got to recover these emails from her computer. Otherwise, we have no proof. And so I, I helped her out with that. But then uh, she says, Well, there's not enough here. I don't want to pursue it. So she took off, and then it was just me and Shelly. And. Uh, Went into a lot of soul searching on this, you know, talked to a lot of people, you know, my pastor, my church, my church, my dad, says, do I really want to get this deep into this, you know? Because I figured I'd be dealing with all kinds of um, GOP operatives, you know, coming after me. Uh, but we ultimately, I decided I was going to help Shelly and, and get her through this. Um, she had a, a case with the uh, National Enquirer, paid her $50,000, and she had to take four polygraphs. Uh, but then what happened was the, uh, the police chief of Anchorage, Alaska, came out and said, oh, uh, we've investigated all these allegations and we found there's, there's no evidence, there's no proof. We've gone through her Rolodex, we've gone through her computers, we've gone through all her material, and there's no truth to this uh, story about Todd Palin. And the allegation well, was that out, he had purchased sex. Right. No, actually, the allegation was that not only was he having sex with her, but he was also sending other people over to have sex with her, and that she would document what the activity was. And she even felt that there was a camera in her hallway that was placed there to film people coming in and out. Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, it turns out, uh, we found out later on, that it was Sarah Palin's lawyer who wrote that uh, press release for the police chief, and he just put her on his stationery. And they had done no investigation whatsoever. Not even a little bit, okay? Because uh, and then, then they tried to say all this stuff was in police evidence, and they tried to say they lost it. <laughs> they tried to claim they couldn't find it, they lost it, they destroyed it. Uh, but we kept going back to court, and ultimately we got that material. And the same day, believe it or not, what a coincidence, that Mr. Kelly. The same day that that material left Alaska and arrived at my office in Las Vegas, Nevada, was the same day that Sarah Palin went on TV and said she's not going to run for president because there are people making allegations about her husband, and it's unfair. Uh, so she doesn't want to be a participant in that anymore. Wow, so you got the bulldog out of the race. Yeah. <laughs> 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 wow, full responsibility for the bulldog right there. That was you. Well, it turns out, you know, uh, we learned a lot about the talent. Um, they had this poker game. They would have this weekly poker game at their house. And in the middle of the night, there would be fist fights on, on the lawn the next day. <laughs> Just, you know, a wild bunch, you know? The only thing I ever really saw from them was, I remember there was some, like, get to know Sarah Palin's family thing and I, I remember it probably being like 16, 17 and turning it on and just seeing the most like produced BS like get in front of scandal thing before I even knew what the scandal was and I was just like I, I don't even know how much of this is real you know what I mean it's like she doesn't even look like a real person she looked like she was someone that was made in a lab kind of recently you know well you know it, it is interesting because someone got a hold of her 
and polished her up uh, after the McCain race, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, she went she she went somewhere and got some kind of professional training on uh, how to handle herself in the media, and even then, uh, fell apart. Uh, more of a mystery than, uh, than I, I think we'll ever know. You think, when you say someone got a hold of her, you mean like people that like work with politicians in the states that like tell them how yeah, to like, talk to news stations like i don't really know what yeah, that like, job role is called i know it's a type of person though cfr you know council foreign relations or you know trilateral commission or maybe kissinger you know something like that uh, mr davis and up and cover hey, let's, let's groom her and mold her and and use her mm-hmm. and that's when she got involved in that tea party stuff yeah yeah could have been the mercers you know the way the Mercers. The Mercers? Yeah. What's the war? You know, the big financial backers of political Koch brothers, you know, those type of guys. Oh, I don't know the Mercers. I, remember, I don't know the Koch brothers because they did that American school thing. Oh, that was interesting. You know what I'm talking about? No. The Koch brothers founded some sort of special anti-communist school in, like, like you know, early the 1900s. School of the Americas, yeah, where all the assassins come out of. Yeah, the School of the Americas. I didn't know that was the Code Brothers, but yeah, I've heard of that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's the only thing that I don't know, read something on it in some little cheap library book many years ago, and that's the thing that stuck with me. It was like, they kind of made up their own school of thought. They kind of rebranded libertarianism. They just kind of made a world for themselves. How rich can you be? You know, it's wild. It's amazing, man. The money talks. Yeah, that's crazy. That is absolutely crazy. <laughs> How do you get away with investigating all these rich and famous, you know, powerful people? Well, if you notice, okay, we just had a, a little problem before the show, right? So I don't entirely get away with it. <laughs> okay, I suffer a lot of all kinds of uh, harassment and trouble in my life, and um, beaten down many times. Uh, so I don't always get away with it. Yeah, I mean, do you think, you know, state agencies mess with you like that? Like, fuck with your technology? and? It's interesting, because it's not always state agencies. It's also, like we just described, these moneyed interests, mm-hmm. you know, uh, that are out there that, that, that are even more dangerous, I believe, than state agencies. Um, because these are the ones that are just openly uh, collecting all of our data. Uh, to sell us stuff, you know, and we, you know, you could be searching for uh, moving boxes, and next thing you know, you have every ad on your computer and your phone. You know, they know all our friends, they know all our enemies, they know all the information about us, and it would be so easy to to target this technology at different people yeah. and just manipulate them, you know, and and screw them. I think my buddy, you know, a challenge coin, like a three-letter agency thing, and they bounce down those challenge coins. No, I don't. They're like little metal coins that they, that like, like NSA and CIA people show each other. They're like based on offices. But a buddy of mine posted a Disney corporate or a Disney global intelligence talent coin the other day on Instagram. It blew me away. I was like, they have their own little intelligence agency. Disney does. That's, I mean, oh no, yeah, oh, absolutely. I mean, they all do. The oil industry has their own uh, intelligence agencies. Uh, Church of Scientology has their own. Uh, Disney absolutely would have one. You know, a big hotel chain like Marriott, you know, they all have them. They all have them huge. Target. Target has a, a forensics lab. <laughs> okay, they have their own forensics lab. Uh, so, yeah, they're, they're out there, man. Target they, has a forensic what? lab? Google it, man. It's fascinating. What does Target have a forensic <laughs> lab for? 
Well, they're trying to claim it was for a shoplifting and things like that. <laughs> you know, literally. Uh, but yeah, no, Google the whole Target thing with their uh, forensics lab. I'm Googling Target Forensic Lab. Does Target have a forensic lab? First opened in 2003. Interesting timing, right? Yeah. Oh, there's one in Vegas and one in Minnesota. Man, I go to the strip, I check out Target's forensic lab, just do the day up. Legal automatics. Man, so that's kind of scarier than state agencies there, right? They're not even kind of held accountable. They're just money agencies. And that's who you think fucks with you heavy. Look look at the uh, Harvey Weinstein, you know? And uh, I was aware of that whole black cube thing before any of that came out public. You know? uh, it's huge. It, it, that's probably one, one of the biggest areas. Hollywood and the studio is a movie making business as far as having private security and private intelligence networks. Hollywood has a big private intelligence network. Remember that story about when Heath Ledger overdosed and the Olsen twins went over to his place and they had their own Blackwater security team <laughs> go in there and clean up the place? What? <laughs> yeah. Do I know something else really interesting too? Yeah. Uh, remember that? Remember that guy who did the bowling for Columbine? Who is that guy? Oh, uh, oh man, he talks like he's chewing all the time. Michael Moore. Yeah. Michael Moore. Did you know that Michael Moore had the exact same Blackwater security team that uh, the guy who went when when we invaded Iraq and that uh, ambassador that we put in there to run the country? The same exact team of guys protected both of them really is that just the most expensive team is that just what rich people like to hire or do you think there's something nefarious behind the correlation I, I think that's more than a coincidence i think that's more than a coincidence you, okay. you got a guy doing a movie about 9 11 and then the results of 9 11 then the same guys are protecting both sides <laughs> you know what i mean yeah. the same guys yeah yeah absolutely Man, I haven't seen Michael Moore's movie about 9-11. I was more of a loose change guy, you know? I saw that when I was, like, probably, like, 18. and was like, this is it, man. <laughs> yeah, how old are you now? You're a young guy, huh? I'm 28. I'm 28. I turned 28. 28, okay. Yes, sir. That's still, oh, happy birthday. Oh, thank you. Is Michael Moore's movie about 9-11 good? Is it worth it? I remember I saw his, I think it was the Bowling for Columbine one. I wasn't into it. You know, I don't know, man. I, he really just, he scratches the surface. And I saw it so long ago. I think he placed a lot of emphasis on the Saudis, you know. And there's just so much more to, to the whole 9-11 story that uh, by now is just so buried in disinformation. And uh, people sweep in. The full-time disinformations, man, just sweep into a story and just turn it upside down. Like JFK, like 9-11, like Epstein. And just to turn it upside down with so much disinfo and confusion. And at times, you know, I think, well, because it's just lazy reporters. And then you find, no, there's more to it. They're, you know, they're, um, they're, they're just paid off, you know, and silencing things and putting out misinformation. Yeah, absolutely, right? I mean, do you think it's more, like, intentionally hiring bad reporters, or do you think more and more people are on payroll, when as far as, like, that's shitty that's news that's goes? That's a good question. That's a good question, because uh, um, yeah, a lot of times they just hire naive guys, or people that are just so sheltered, you know? Because we do a lot of, um, I cover the campaigns a lot, so I do a lot of political uh, reporting. And uh, so I, I'm in the same, uh, you know, news conferences at CNN. I'd, I'd be sitting right between the Washington Post and uh, what, what was it, the LA Times and the Washington, LMNOP. Yeah, LA Times, Opperman, 
Washington Post. <laughs> okay. So I've been sitting right between the LA Times and the Washington Post. And, uh, you know, a lot of times, you know, they're just hacks. You know, they're bored. They're some naive people. They're gullible people uh, who believe what's told to them. Then you got people who just, you know, go where the money is. And then I think there's people that are planted in it. So I think there's people that are groomed from high school uh, and put in the right colleges and then are approached by, like you said, either private intelligence or government intelligence and, um, and go with that and go along with it. And then there's people, they catch a case, you know, and they become an informant. You hear all these stories like Bundy Ranch, man. Like, I have eight out of ten people that are all informants working for some different kind of government agency. What's Bundy Ranch? Oh, remember Bundy Ranch where they had that standoff in the oh. in, in Nevada? Yeah, and those were all feds. Oh, you could yeah. tell they were feds because they were pointing guns at other feds. Yeah, right. Well, you know what? It's an interesting story because uh, if you really want to uh, Google, uh, Google Ed Opperman, the Millers, uh, with this couple, husband and wife, who uh, they were involved in the Million Mask March, and they were involved in Occupy Wall Street, and they sold everything they had to go live in a motel in Las Vegas uh, to work on a campaign for this, uh, the same party as um, that guy, Jesse Ventura. I forget the name of the party, but there was a couple of candidates running for sheriff and running for governor uh, down there uh, in Nevada. And uh, so these two uh, were up at Bundy Ranch, and they started the whole rumor about the, the drone attack. There was going to be a drone attack. They were behind that, and they were behind the big... Where you said where the three percenters and the Patriots were pointing guns at each other, mm. they, they were involved in that whole incident. Plus a couple other guys who I happen to know uh, were involved in that. And then lo and behold, these Millers they get kicked out of Bundy Ranch, and they go back to their motel room. They put all their material into a shopping cart, guns and rifles and flags and stuff, and, and they walk three miles in the hot Nevada sun uh, to a CC's pizzeria. And they get the jump on two cops and shoot two cops in the CC's pizzeria. These two characters with a shopping cart full of guns. And believe it or not, <laughs> that's the official story. Then um, they go across the street into a Walmart where a guy with a concealed carry permit confronts them. They shoot a gun to the The revolution's starting now. Uh, they get confronted by some guy with a, a gun. They kill him. And then first the cop says it was a suicide. And then the cop says, yeah, they admit we shot him. Uh, and the cops show this grainy footage, like the moon landing. <laughs> like, you ever walk into a, a Walmart and you look up at that TV set when you're walking in, and you say, oh, my God, I look terrible. Look how fat I got. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's a good quality picture. Yeah. They, they show a picture of the moon landing, and they say, here they are. <laughs> okay. All right, here's the millers over here getting shot. The, the footage they show was ridiculous. Uh, so there was some kind of cover-up went on there. We found out later on that these guys were informants. Uh, for the local Las Vegas police as well. Uh, and I told that story, and I offered that story around to go uh, all over, you know. The station I was on at the time says, ah, you know what, I'm busy. I don't want to play that show for you. <laughs> we don't want to talk about that sort of thing. Uh, but I was on John B. Wells with it. And if you Google it, I've done a few interviews about it. Uh, totally exclusive reporting. Nobody talks about their background as informants or their connections up at Bundy Ranch or, or this bizarre jump that they got on these cops. Walking down the street, rifles in the shopping cart, shoot two uh, cops, confronted by a civilian, kill that guy. Yeah, just the, yeah, I don't know if you've ever been to uh, Las Vegas, Nevada, but the cops are just so uh, hyped up over there, man. 
Uh, there's no way you're going to get a jump on two cops in a CeCe's Pizzeria. Yeah. And when, when, where's the footage of the CeCe's Pizzeria, too? You know, whatever happened to that? But... Yeah, we live in a technology age. There's no way something didn't happen, right? There's just so much footage. It's crazy how everything, anytime anything interesting happened, all the footage disappears. Yeah, I'll give you another one. Remember that guy, Donner, that cop that went crazy in California? Chris Dorner, yeah. Uh, right, and went on that you know, revenge against his own police department. Uh-huh. He had a house in, uh, in Las Vegas in Rhodes Ranch. And uh, so the cops went down to that house, and they just shot up the house. And there was bullet holes in the walls and the windows of this house, like the size of a, a Coke can, a can of Coke, right? And I saw these pictures. And then the cops shut down the whole neighborhood, and they wouldn't let people leave their homes. And when the little kids came off the school bus, the cops went there in full military gear and rifles and walked these kids off the school bus to their homes. Okay? None of this was reported in the paper. What? And I saw... And I saw these pictures, man. And those pictures of those big giant holes in this guy's house have been scrubbed off the internet. You can't find them anyway. Now, why why would they shoot up his empty house in Vegas? Good question. You know, like revenge, you know? Send him a I mean, you see, you know how they killed like five people trying to shoot at him? But you see like the trucks that they right. shot out. If you look at the footage of that, if you look at the photos, it's not like a few shots. They light these trucks up. They like aren't even the right color, not even the right type of car. It's like they they pump like three hundred bullets into the back of these trucks, saying that they thought it was Dorner, the LAPD. Wow. Right? That's the strangest. And by the way, there's a guy that wrote a book about that story who's kind of vanished. Okay, he's kind of disappeared. He was, he was in the ministry, and I've been trying to book him, and uh, you know this guy's gone. You can't find him anywhere. And he wrote a book about the Dorner story. Yeah, he's the only one who wrote a book about the Dorner. Okay. Yeah. That's that's also it was the same time frame. I know this because I watched like a little Netflix thing that it came up in, where that woman got found upstairs in that hotel in the water tank. You know what I'm talking about? Right, right. That was yeah, like the same culture. week. It was a crazy week in L.A. Really? That was the same week. Huh? Yeah, yeah. During the same during the same it was in the same little time period that that happened, and the police kind of used that as an excuse as to why they didn't investigate it all the way or something, something, something. You know. Yeah, I've done a couple of shows on that uh, water tank uh, lady, and um, we're pretty sure um, one of the guys they interviewed is very convinced he knows exactly who did it, you know, and how she got in that tank. Not, it's something nefarious? It's not just she did drugs and ended up in the water tank? An employee of the hotel. An, an employee of the hotel. Really? An, this person yeah. is claiming that an employee of the hotel killed that woman? Yes, because he had the keys to, to the access to the water tank and all that kind of stuff. And... To what end? Why did he kill her? Is this person claiming? Well, that, uh, I don't even remember. We even got that far. <laughs> Are you buying the hotel employee story? Is that something that you yeah. buy? Um, yeah, I was pretty convinced by that. I had a couple of people on, on the show about that topic. Uh, some, you know, far out there. And this guy seems to be the most um, uh, credible. Okay, But then again, you have to be careful because I've run across a lot of guests who come out with an official story of, of an event. And the only reason they wrote that book is to debunk the, the theories uh, that are out there. And sometimes I know the theories are real because I know the people involved. And I, I've even asked one guy once, and we about the smiley face killers. And I said, did you just write this book just to discount the story? He goes, oh yeah. <laughs> you know? And he's making excuses with Jeffrey Dahmer and stuff like that, the cops who invested the Jeffrey Dahmer case. And uh, 
all this kind of shit. Yeah, Jeffrey Dahmer truther? I've done a lot of shows about Jeffrey Dahmer, you know? Wait, 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 wait. Is that a common, like, theory that Jeffrey Dahmer was in some way innocent or something? I've never heard this. This is, that one's new to me. No, 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 no. Not not that he was innocent, but that he acted alone and wasn't involved with a cult. Uh, And when the guy had an altar in his house, uh, and also, too, where'd all these, where'd all the pictures go? In the films, he had video cameras all over his house. Where'd they go? You know, and also, too, some of the crime scene photos are kind of doctored, but, too. Really? So, so yeah. there's kind of a a, a theory or, or or a line of thinking that he wasn't alone. He was involved in cults or a police yeah. cover up in some way. Okay, I didn't know that. That's wild. Yeah. I have a, a really good guest on my show a couple of times uh, who was convinced that Jeffrey Dahmer killed uh, Adam Walsh. Why? John Walsh's son. Well, because he was seen down there in Florida at that at that mall, and when he was living down there in Florida. He was living in the utility room of a pizzeria. He worked for this pizza sub shop, and they let him live in the utility room. And a dead body was discovered in the dumpster out inside that pizza shop, and it was Jeffrey Dahmer who reported it to the police. No way. Way, man. And would you think that this would be a a big part of the Jeffrey Dahmer story, that more people would know this, right? Man, you nope. got you kind of got the inside loop on everything from Sarah Palin to Jeffrey Dahmer. You you kind of just got your eyes open on that shit. That is wild. Yeah, I do. I keep my eyes open. I keep my ears open. You know, and I, I welcome in yeah, I, I welcome in people. A lot of guests that no one's ever had on here before. Like I have coming up this week, uh, um, Mr. Uh, uh, boy, I think it's Rudy Brown, who is the father of Brooks Brown. Uh, Rudy Brown and his wife Judy were the ones who reported on Dylan Klebold and Columbine. Uh, they, they reported them to the police before anything ever happened because they were terrorizing his son. And Brooks Brown is the one who, um, uh, when, when he was walking into school, uh, Klebold told him, don't don't go in there, don't go in there, go home. And he, he didn't go in there, he went home. So there's a, a lot of shady stuff going on with that too. Yeah. So, so I, I interview people, you know, the, the, um, the average uh, podcaster out there, YouTuber out there, um, doesn't even think to, to find. Run, 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 run